As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. I'm Meg. You are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. Now, it was a bit of an unexpected week off last week. I will admit that. That trip to Minnesota really honestly threw me for a loop, but I am home now ahead of NWSL playoffs and being on the road three weekends in a row. I will see you in Chicago, Portland, and Louisville, of course. But we've got a great, great show this week to make up for, and we're going to post it a day early just because it's so good and I don't want to wait honestly. Alex Morgan, Rachel Daly, and Lynn Williams are going to join the show as a bit of a player panel to discuss plans for the 2022 NWSL's season, the schedule. Yes, I know I am playing with fire by having a schedule-themed episode, but their discussion is so great and so nuanced. It is absolutely, absolutely worth it. Before we get to the rest of today's episode, as always, to show your support of full-time, plus get all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else The Athletic has to offer on our site and app, you can subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash full-time. Right now, it is just $4 a month for your new annual subscription. It's the perfect time to join. We've got postseason kicking off this weekend, a couple of NWSL drafts on the way, and plus a huge U.S. Women's National Team roster drop awaiting us this month ahead of those games, theoretically, in Australia. All right, on to the news. Let's start with the NWSL playoffs, of course, as the field is set and we've got some games kicking off this Sunday. We will have our usual guide to the playoffs at The Athletic soon. Steph is running that one this year, but it will be unlocked and free to read as always. Of course, keep an eye on Twitter for the link. In the meantime, though, let's focus on the first round with the Chicago Red Stars hosting Gotham FC on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. The winner of that game will head to Portland for the semifinal next weekend. Then Washington Spirit hosts North Carolina Courage also on Sunday at 5.30 Eastern on Paramount+. Plus. The Courage sneaked into that sixth and final playoff spot thanks to the Spirit defeating the Houston Dash on the final day of the regular season. Trinity Rodman providing the game winner. Whoever wins that first round match goes to Tacoma to face O.L. Reign. Stay tuned, of course, for a ton of playoff coverage at The Athletic. I promise it's coming. We are just constantly doing work. (laughs) All right. Ashley Hatch has won the NWSL Golden Boot for the 2021 season, scoring 10 goals in 20 games. 
Bethany Balser of OL Rain, Rachel Daly of the Houston Dash, guest today, and Midge Purse of Gotham FC all finished the season with nine goals right behind. Karina LeBlanc was announced this week as the new general manager of Portland Thorns FC, bringing her full circle from her season with the club in 2013 and their NWSL championship win. Before this, she was running the women's football side at CONCACAF. Here are her official responsibilities from the Thorns press release. LeBlanc will be responsible for the overall management of the technical soccer operations of the club, reporting directly to owner and CEO Merritt Paulson. She will serve as the central leader for Thorns FC on all soccer aspects while also having an integral voice on key business decisions related to the club, helping to create, cultivate, and manage the culture of Thorns FC. Gavin Wilkinson does remain in his position as general manager of Timbers FC in that organization. The Orlando Pride announced the interim head coach Becky Burley will not continue with the club as she has withdrawn her name from consideration for the permanent position. The Pride missed out on playoffs this season, but the Pride did say that they are engaged in a search for a new head coach and will announce once a candidate has been chosen. Also this week, the draw for next summer's Euros took place. I've got a ticket to the final at Wembley for a little mid-NWSL summer break that I can hopefully pull off. We're going to find out. But in the meantime, here are the groups. England leads Group A with Austria, Norway, and Northern Ireland rounding it out. Group B is the consensus group of death with Germany and Spain and Denmark and Finland. The Netherlands will start their title defense in Group C along with Sweden, Russia, and Switzerland. And finally, Group D has France, Italy, Belgium, and Iceland. It should be a great tournament next summer, which also helps me lead into our show today. Now, again, I, I fully know what I'm getting into by having a show about the schedule, but I, I have decided it is worth it. And as we're starting to look ahead to the competition dates for next season, you know, I, I asked on the supporters on my NWSL survey about the Challenge Cup and when it should happen in the season. Just about 56, 57% of you said that it should stay as a preseason tournament. But what if it shouldn't? Because next summer, it's more than just Euros that are going to pull international players away from club duties. There are four other World Cup qualifying tournaments happening in that July window. We've got CONCACAF, Comnibal, OFC, and CAF. And qualifying tournaments don't just mean that players are going for these tournaments for a number of weeks, but there are training windows ahead of that. But it's also a lot more teams than just 12 teams at the Olympics or the now 32 teams at the World Cup because everybody is fighting for those 12 or 32 spots. So potentially we are going to be missing a lot of players next summer during the 2022 NWSL season. But no matter what, we're all viewing it from the outside. So I wanted to take a look behind the curtain and Alex Morgan, Rachel Daly, and Lynn Williams are here to help me do exactly that. All right. So the three of you, first of all, thank you for for joining. But the three of you kind of have this sense of what next summer is going to be like for you. And I had just done the research of just how many tournaments we are facing <laughs> next summer. We've got five, at least, um, in terms of what's coming up. But what what do you feel like your personal responsibilities are in terms of when we're thinking about July 2022, everyone's theoretically got international stuff coming up, right? Uh, Rachel, if you want to start, I mean, Euros, England is hosting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's difficult because I think every other, every other league in the world stops during FIFA windows except the NWSL. Um, and so it's hard to sort of switch your, switch your mindset over from one to the other, I think. Um, 
you leave in the middle of the season, you you know, your teammates know that they're left behind. It's not just me. Obviously, there's a lot of us. And I think with a lack of better words, I think like, you know, fans appreciate the highest level. And when all the top players leave, it almost it's difficult for them to follow. And I think for us, it's difficult for us because we feel like you sort of let your team down um, without, you know, you, you should be celebrated for being at your national team. But in actual fact, I think it feels the opposite sometimes. I mean, obviously we saw the summer 12 teams in the Olympics, right? And the league playing through that. I know, I, I feel like there was real frustration around the fact that there was no Olympic break this year. I mean, Alex and Lynn, you can maybe speak to that kind of having to watch from a distance. Yeah, I kind of felt like the league had taken strides in um, taking breaks during FIFA windows. And then I saw the summer and I was like, wait, so there's not even like a one week break, like not even, you know, not even one weekend. It was play straight through. So I had to miss I think we missed, I don't know, Lynn, we were around the same, but like six games or five games in a row at least. And that was really difficult because you come back in, then you have a three game week. You have to basically switch your mindset um, from this super high pressure, emotional, um, isolating Olympics and go into your club team. And also it's not fair for your club team too, because they go from, having to really field a team where they're missing five, six, seven, eight players. So you have almost a completely different lineup. Then all these players come in. Um, We had a new coach too. So you go into, it's almost like a new season in a way. And um, it's like, everyone knows, but you, how you're playing. Uh, So it was, that was really difficult playing through um, an Olympics and it's kind of no different than the previous years. I think one year, a few years ago, wasn't the final of the world cup on the same day or the same time as a, as one of the end of the cell games. It's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, I think there always has been this tension of NWSL schedule U.S. national team schedule. I mean, I remember, honestly, I think it was the 2016 championship in Houston. Um, I think Lynn might have gotten her first call up to the national team or like one of the early ones. And we were at the media day for NWSL championship as the roster is dropping. So like all of women's soccer media is in one room and going, how are we supposed to cover this right now? Right. There's always been that tension where it's like, can can the can everyone start talking to each other? Right. That that has always been a very interesting thing, I think, for a lot of us on the outside to watch. But I also want to talk about this idea of, you know, I was speaking to Carly Lloyd ahead of her retirement. Right. And talking about her career. And there was a a real theme of that pull between club and country. And like she spoke about getting this rep. Right. Of especially 2015, 2016, that people thought that she didn't care about playing for the Houston Dash and really being annoyed by that reputation, right? Of just feeling like, how am I supposed to please everyone right now? And I think actually maybe talking about that kind of both the emotional part, but the the actual tension between balancing club and country right now is something that maybe we don't understand as well as we could from the outside. Yeah, I, I kind of feel a little bit 
on that too. I mean, Lynn, you can speak to this as well, but I feel a little bit of an emotional pull from both. Um, we actually play a lot with the national team, a lot of games, a lot of training days. Um, also, U.S. soccer doesn't always adhere to FIFA windows as well. So it's this pull of where we're stuck in the middle um, of club and country. And like Rach said, we should be celebrated for being called in with the national team. But our fans, um, I at least feel like um, fans at Orlando has held it, have held it against me. And sometimes I've come back with injuries, um, which has been really difficult. So, you know, I might get injured with the national team, come back and have to sit a couple games, which happened after Olympics to recover from injury. So you're seeing kind of this um, just historically, like this pull and us in the middle, and it's almost not, we want to give everything to club and we want to give everything to country, but it almost feels like no matter how much we say that or do that, um, it comes off differently. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I mean, Rachel, you've got travel too. Every time you've got international duty. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's obviously really difficult for me, but I suppose I chose that. But I think, yeah, I, I, I also feel like touching on the injury piece with Alex said, I think, it's difficult because when we go away on national team duty, we're still working, you know, we're still at a club. We work for the club to, to get onto the national team. You know, it's, it's not like we just show up and rock up and then know that we're leaving for the national team. Like you still have to fight for your spot on the national team and, you know, you've got to play well at club in order to do that. But I think as well, like when we come back, our players on our club team who aren't in the national team may have had six or seven days off. And then we come back in and, you know, I might land on, the, I think when we played Washington the other day, I landed in Washington on Friday to play Sunday at two o'clock. And I think that sometimes gets overlooked in the fact that we, we don't really get time off. Like we don't get days off. And so when people can look at it as if we don't care or, you know, it's not, we see the national team as a bigger picture. I think, yeah, ultimately every day we work at club to be in that position, but we don't actually have time off. And I think people assume that, you know, we get treated like royalty because we're on the national team and things like that. But I think time off is a big part of that. And that also comes in with the FIFA windows when we carry on. Like like Alex said, after the Olympics, like you're expected to come straight back in and, and just play for, you know, you've been playing, well, you make the final, you play seven games in such a short amount of time and then you come back in and do three games in a week. And, you know, some people with ages and injury history, I think, you know, we don't, that gets overlooked, especially by fans, I think, as well. I think more so for, for um, 
the US players, I think, because obviously the fans here are US fans. So I think they kind of look at it that way. But it is, it's not easy. And I think we kind of get put into, pushed into a category of, like you said, the tension of not caring or whatever. But if you actually looked at it in the bigger picture, maybe with the Challenge Cup at the start of the year, maybe we do that in the window where we go away for four or five weeks in the summer um, and we're not missing out. And then the players who maybe don't get as much playing time get a full tournament to play. Before we, we get into that, Lynn, I wanted to, to ask you of just someone who's kind of been, you know, more in the NWSL picture and then having more national team responsibilities. Like, what has that transition looked like for you? Yeah, I think that um, Rachel and Alex have hit the nail on the head. Like, um, it's hard. One, I've been on both sides. And when you're having to play games, with your club and you don't have all your players there. You're, you're trying to figure out formations quickly, um, player personnel, filling holes, um, and trying to basically scrap together to get, to get a team out there. And then on the reverse side, um, just looking at like the Olympics, like Alex said, we had, we missed, what was it? Seven games. That's what you said. Six games, seven games. And so you're trying to focus with the Olympics, but then you also know you have to come back to your club team and, and you know, you have a contract with them and you want to be a part of that too. So you have to keep up with the, with the score and hoping that, um, you know, you're, you're getting all the points you can possibly get. And then after Olympics where it's like such an emotionally draining time, you can't take a really um, a relaxing break. Cause you know, you have to get straight back into it because you've missed so much time already. Um, so it's definitely, um, I don't think either side has, has, is winning or is winning out. It's, it's like so unfair to both sides to have this schedule that so many, um, we're playing through so many FIFA windows and you can't be there for your team. So honestly, both sides are difficult. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, what, what hopefully this conversation acts as is kind of to understand the nuance also because I feel like, you know, and I, I, I have been joking throughout this podcast as, as I, you know, did my intro. Like, I know what I'm getting into because we're talking about the schedule here. Like, I'm I'm fully willing to embrace the jokes on Twitter because fundamentally the the nuance, right? Like, this kind of logistical discussion is not something that necessarily gets a huge amount of attention, but it affects the quality of the game. It affects how players can move between these two environments and actually be at their best, but also protect their mental and and physical health at the same time. Like there's a lot riding on a competition format, which you think would be this kind of very straightforward thing. And before we get into maybe the practicalities of what in an ideal world from a player point of view, 2022 would look like, I think it is worth first visiting the theoretical because there have been kind of overall discussions and not just from an NWSL point of view, but from MLS has had the same conversation the potential of can we even think about moving to like a more European style calendar, right? Winter games. Um, I want to start with Rachel here first, because obviously you have, you kind of have that world a little bit better, but you know, we also have the Chicago red stars exist and I'm trying to imagine Chicago red stars games in January, February too. So what are the, the pros and cons maybe from a player point of view of even starting to have this conversation about maybe shifting the calendar entirely? Well, yeah, I think, like you said, it's different in the States because, uh, you know, the weather is a big factor. Um, 
thinking about like Jersey and Chicago and things like that. Like, yeah, it, it, it's tough. Um, but I just think being on the same, like we argue about NWSL being the best league in the world and I'm always going to vouch for that. I do think it's definitely up there, but how do you, you know, how, how, how can you be the best league in the world when half the calendar year, your best players aren't there? Um, and how do you attract big name players when, you know, when I, for an example, go into a camp and all my teammates are already there, they've been there for three days and I'm delayed because of games and then flying and whatnot. And then, you know, it's nobody else can in the world can understand why our league is the way it is and why it's, you know, the schedule is the way it is. And I do think it would be better if we were aligned with all the other leagues in the world. Cause I mean, we are the only one that does it this way. Um, but then at the same time, you know, there are things that you do have to factor in, like games are probably going to get cancelled left, right and centre when you're playing against Chicago away in a cold January morning or whatever. So I think, you know, it is tough, but I do think there are other ways that you could manage it. Um, like I said about, you know, for example, the format of the Challenge Cup, I don't think that necessarily needs to be in pre-season. You know, I think there's there's ways around playing better opposition, rather than just playing college teams, like you could play European teams in their breaks and things like that. You could play friendlies against NWSL teams. Um, but I just also think it's like not fair on players that aren't on the national team as well. Like they're expected to just work all year. And then, you know, you hear coaches and you hear fans saying things like, oh, well, when the national team players go away, you'll get a chance. And, you know, I don't think it should be looked at that way. Um, you kind of get split up into two teams during the season. That's how I felt. Um, and I know that's how yeah. the girls on my team yeah. probably feel too that, uh, you know, it's always when the national team players go away or when the national team players are back, you'll get a chance or you might play, oh, they're back now, so you won't play again. And it, it, I think it's unfair to see it that way as well for them. Well, the depth of these teams is not, a bad, the, the depth is a great thing, right? But it's also, I think, the way that we frame that conversation. I mean, Alex and Lynn, you can maybe speak to the calendar thing. I mean, we, we have all experienced uh, Red Bull Arena in March, for she believes cup, I don't. I, I feel like that is a super fun time that we all enjoy in twenty degree weather. <laughs> I mean, I am not someone who likes cold weather. Growing up in California, living in Florida, um, I don't really want to touch the northern part <laughs> of the U.S., let alone Canada at all. But um, but everyone around the world plays in the winter, so I mean. I think we can suck it up and, and figure something out that um, really helps the players is not at the detriment of players. Um, Rage kind of touched on it a little bit, like see this league as the best league in the world, but what is the best, you know, you have to look at best quality or the most professionally ran or in the interest of players um, or the best fans. You know, I think we touch some of them. I think we're far from some other ones. Um, so I look at, you know, obviously, you know, resources, facilities we're great at, but I look at the, the schedule and the difference of, um, Europe and, and us and kind of how a lot of players in England and, and France and, and all these, you know, countries that are top ranked teams, they struggle to, to want to play in this league, first of all, because it was a six month league, you know, it's kind of grown now to an eight, nine month league, but also because of what Rach said, you come into national team late, you're leaving and then you're playing two days later when you're tired and your team had gotten rest. So you feel like this disconnection from your team, um, from your team. 
So I think it's really hard. And at the end of the day, I feel like the overarching theme is just like, how can we make this league the most professional and in the best interest of the players, the league as a whole and the fans. And I just think we're just not accomplishing that with how the league has, how the schedule has been set up in the past. I mean, something simple as the challenge cup. I mean, if we have euros and qualifier world cup qualifiers and so many things this summer, why not have a challenge cup then? If not, then why isn't there a tournament or some sort of um, some sort of play already scheduled for that FIFA window where we're not missing out on league games? Because those are incredibly important. Um, yeah, of course, like playoffs are very important and who's going to win on November 20th is important as well. But at the end of the day, like Portland celebrated being regular season champions because it's a huge accomplishment. And I want to be a part of my team to help fight for that. You know, I don't want to be like someone who's there 12 out of 24 games. I also think, you know, uh, two of you now have have experienced like an international champions cup, right? Where teams from Europe are coming over in their preseason, right? And there's this kind of bragging rights on the line of like, oh, who's the best team in the world, right? And there are maybe some potentials here of, you know, other formats c- that could also be explored. Like Rachel, like let's let's think about England too. Obviously, the the priority there is the regular season, right? Of winning the season. But there are additional competitions kind of mixed in where you actually do get to explore the depth. But, you know, we're kind of trapped in this format that I think we've now put ourselves in. But Challenge Cup is not like some historical tradition that we have here in the the NWSL. No, and I think you, you can also add like, like you said, there's different competitions. Like, how come the FA Cup in England and the League Cup is spread out throughout the entire year, yet we cram a Challenge Cup into a month and make it a, like it's two separate things? It's a t- there's a tournament and a league, and like Alex said, like why can't that be in that window when everyone's away? It's a great opportunity for players who may not get as many minutes to play and really thrive and get on the big stage that they, you know, they want to look at. And like you said about the ICC again, it was like. I came back from the Olympics and I was playing in the ICC five days later in Portland. And it's, but why, like, why did that need to be in that moment? I just think that there's the, why could that have not been during, you know, like a week before one, the Olympics was, cause it's not because it, the other teams would then get their national team players would like Barcelona's national team players wouldn't be there or, you know, Leon's national team players wouldn't be there. So I think we do things to, to, present the league in a, in a big light. And I do think the ICC is quite a good way of doing that. And it gets the NWSL out there. But again, there's still teams missing a lot of players and there's still, you know, the US players wouldn't have been there because, you know, our players joined up with us late because they were still in the tournament. Canada, same thing. Um, but I just think like you could do that throughout the year. We cram everything in all the time. Like there's, I've, we've probably played four weeks of three game weeks this season and it's crazy like the travel you know there's there's everything involved in that it's like but we have such a long off season so right now for me and Alex we're going to be off now from November 1st right the way through until February or whenever we start again exactly and it's like what do we do then you know and why is the season not in a you know you you see in the summer league they went within the England they were off for six weeks tops and they get a nice break, they enjoy the break, and then they're back in and preseason, and it's, you know, you go again. And there may be a three-game week when you've got cup games and things like that, but 
it's actually organizing a format that you're not crammed everything in. Whereas I think with us, it's like, okay, you have three months off and then you're in and you it's just yeah, bang, I, no I, rest. I just wanted nothing. to also like touch on the, like the schedule and obviously I'm like Alex too. I hate the cold, but, and we talk about how many games would it get canceled, but how many games have been canceled due to like weather and storms and like we we still have weather problems either way, and so why can't we just get onto like a European schedule? They have a break in the middle of their season, and then they have a break at the at the very end. So it's like their breaks are spread out, and it's not so crammed in. And having a Challenge Cup that goes along at the same time as a a a big World Tournament or whatever, then the whole like the whole world of soccer is on the same schedule. So then players like Rachel said, who maybe haven't had as many minutes can go in and play. And then we all get a break at the very end. So we're not worrying about like, okay, I have to come back. I have to mentally do this. I have to... And then you're probably not playing your best soccer because you're physically mentally exhausted. I just feel like the, like the two options are like a year or a schedule that but is opposite right so we have like a winter break which is the longer break and then the summer break which is the shorter break which europe is the opposite being um summer the bigger one in europe and winter the shorter one and for us it's just like oh summer we'll just see you later national team players we'll just keep playing through the season and like when you guys get back just jump right in and see where we are at that point you know so I, i'm I'm fine with keeping the format if they're set on it or whatever, but you have to, you have to do something where you do have sort of like a two, three week break in the summer. And then you maybe have a four to six week break in the winter, not just like a 12 week break all in the winter and kind of like, well, figure out what you're going to do for the next three months. Good luck. And then also we'll tell you the schedule two weeks before it starts. And, uh, You'll have to deal with that too. But it's yeah, because not everybody has like a not everybody has like a good training location. Like some people are scrambling to find places to train, and then you get into preseason, and that's probably why preseason so long. So you have to all get back on the same page again. Whereas if we didn't have that, then you wouldn't have to get out of form and then get back in form and then get out of form and then get back in form. You can just be in form. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. So I think what I'm getting from you is let's talk about practical solutions then for 2022, because we're now kind of in this time of where it's like the traditional like, oh, we got to figure out next year, right? Like that's kind of how this tends to work. There's not, as far as we know, 
this proactive approach of like, hey, let's maybe look at the international calendar for the next two, three years and say, how do we work around it? It's generally a year by year approach. And we get this kind of competition format early. And then again, we wait for the schedule and wait for the schedule and wait for the schedule. But I mean, a general consensus from from this group is Challenge Cup needs to be next summer, not as a preseason tournament. And I feel like that that seems to be like answer number one, first and foremost, is tournament needs to get moved. Yeah, I, I think if you look at a preseason and a six week preseason, um, you do like what Rach said, you know, friendlies or um play against colleges play against yeah each other in friendlies but there's really no point to a challenge cup um in preseason when there's really nothing scheduled for the summer now if you have something built out annually you have like a league cup or this or that that's different than the challenge cup seems like the same thing to me but if you somehow manage to have something like that okay it's many sort of cup but also we don't want, you know, if we're going to be off and everyone's coming in at different times, yeah, we don't want something right when we come into preseason like, oh, here's Challenge Cup. And by the way, two weeks later, we're starting season. And by the way, like, you know, we're not stopping for for nine months, except for when you guys go away, then the other players will get a couple of days off, but you guys will have to keep playing. So I definitely think like Challenge Cup in the summer just makes sense. Like, I feel like that has to be like no brainer. Yeah, I think it's more exciting as well for everyone. Like for the players that don't go to the national team, it's something for them to look forward to too. They're not just like carrying on the season. It's like a whole new separate thing and like they don't really get tournament style football. So it's good for them as well. It's good for fans. Um, You know, it's short, it's quick, it's exciting. But like you said, Meg, like over the course of the next three years, there's something every summer. So is this something that we're going to continue to do? Because it's going to end up ultimately pushing probably national team players away because I'm... 30 in a month I'm not my body's not going to be able to take me forever going year round over and over again and then we can't just take three months off because there's national team camps in November December January February it doesn't stop but like the whole season stops so like Lynn said you've got to figure out a training plan like where are you going to be what does your off season look like but ultimately there's still three next three four summers are going to be a tournament so if it doesn't change now when would it change you know what I mean like nothing's changing in the international schedule. So at some point they've got to look at themselves and, and also get player perspective. Like I think the league just take these decisions upon themselves. And a lot of these people have probably never even been involved in football before, but they make these decisions based on what, like what's the, where is the why? Like, why are we doing this? Because for players perspective, I think even non-national team players would agree the same thing. I think we've just realized that following an MLS schedule, um, policies, uh, just league in general is not the best thing. Um, and MLS is great and has done a great job in building a league um, over the last 30 or something years. Um, but we are not that at all. And so I think we need to look at the NWSL as a separate league where we are figuring out what is the best for everyone, not only what's just been done is what's going to happen and what it be because that's historically what's happened. We have to look at what is the best for the future. I guess Lynn and Rach, I'm, I'm like interested to know if like, do you guys think moving to like a European model would be the best thing? Something like um, 
the um, the the England Women's League did uh, two years ago. We're kind of having a mini season and then starting league in more of like September type thing. Or would you guys like to keep this um, current schedule, but just extend it a little bit more, have a little bit of a summer break, have more of a winter break, um, and kind of be opposite of Europe? I personally would love to be on the same schedule as them. I think that the unique thing about women's soccer versus any other American sport is that we can go between leagues and we have like transfer fees. And right now I think that like the NWSL, this is getting something else, but it's on two different systems. We have like our trade system and then we have like a transfer fee system and we're doing two when we just need to do one. Um, and so I think it would be easier for player movement. I think it would be easier for games and FIFA windows. I think it would be, I just think it would be so much easier just in general, um, to get on the same schedule. Then you can have players wanting to come over, um, from other leagues and play in this league, um, and not have to worry about, okay, when is this FIFA window? When can I do this? When can I do this? And and you have to almost convince people. I mean, Rachel, Rachel, you could speak better to this, but I feel like you have to convince people that the the competition is so good here and that's the reason you should come, but it's going to come with a whole bunch of scheduling issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would personally like it. Obviously, I think that comes from me being English, but you know, I, I was looking over for our Euros. It's obviously a little bit different, but for our Euros preparation and there's, you know, six weeks worth worth of training camps leading up to that because the English league finishes perfectly in, in a line with that tournament. But you look at all the, you know, if you look at a bigger picture of like the Olympics and the World Cup, for an example, we're the only league that kept going all the way right the way through up to the Olympics. So all the other teams will have stopped in May or, you know, early May and had a nice little lead in and had a bit of time off, a nice lead in into the Olympics. But it's completely different. Like I come in fatigued, whereas the rest of my team are fresh and ready to go. Or do I get the or do say the US and Canadians get the advantage because you know you're ready to go, you've been playing, but then the English girls have been off and the French girls and the Spanish, you know, it's I just don't see the point in us all being on a different schedule because like Lynn said, like the conflict of the scheduling issues becomes a nightmare with the FIFA windows. And I, I then, for example, with the Euros, I then miss all these camps leading up to it. But yeah, you can argue I'm playing, but come the Euros, am I in, in a completely different position? Am I fighting for a starting spot on my national team because I'm not able to go to the camps because I'm in the NWSL? And then then the argument comes is, oh, I'm not, I don't want to be in the NWSL, but here I am, you know, avoiding all the camps in the national team to be here in the NWSL. I just think it's just it doesn't make sense to be the only league in the world on a completely different schedule. Yeah, I want to I want to zoom out and maybe think big picture too, Alex. I think you're probably the perfect person to start with here because there are these bigger conversations happening from like a technical standpoint. There's also obviously collective bargaining happening both on an NWL and U.S. national team player level right now. But you know, I think to your point, we don't have to copy. MLS, right? Like we can maybe reimagine what the league would look like in a proactive fashion. And, you know, being on the technical advisory group with FIFA, that is maybe, you know, obviously the the World Cup, biennial World Cup conversation is a big one, but also even thinking about when do FIFA windows occur? How do they interact with with clubs, right? How do we 
you know, is there room to maybe even think about from a much larger point of view what this whole system could look like? Yeah, I think it just is much easier being on uh, the European model or the rest of the world model in terms of starting a season in September and finishing in in April, May. Um, It just makes more sense, especially with what looks to be favorable by a lot of people in a biennial world. Um, I, I just don't see, I, with, um, you know, looking at the FIFA windows and the change in that um, by decreasing possibly from six to five or even possibly four um, FIFA windows a year um, and those being implemented in three or something years, we don't want to be reactive. And unfortunately, the NWSL has just been too reactive. We know that this is going to be the change in, in three or four years. So let's get started now. Like, let's not be like, oh crap. Like we actually do need to change to a different schedule and a different start time in three years, because that will happen in three or four years if we stay this way. So I think there just needs to be the league thinking more proactively on that. And then also, U.S. soccer, too, just, you know, adhering to more of the FIFA windows and allowing players to play with their club teams, um, not pulling them away where um, during important games, uh, you know, we came in for the Olympics. But um, but even like a January camp, for example, we've we've historically always had a January camp Um, there is, you know, outside of a FIFA window. So a, a player playing in Europe, a U.S. national team player playing in Europe is not going to be released for that camp. Um, so there's there's little things that kind of almost force a U.S. national team player to want to play in the league because of national team. Well, we should actually want to play in the league because it's the best league in the world and because it helps us become the best players. Um, and I feel like it's it's not really doing that. If we change to a schedule um, like the European model, there wouldn't need to be a national team camp in January because we would be fit. We would be competing and playing games with our club teams. And I think that that's why we do have that camp is, is because of that. So when I look at the technical advisory board that FIFA's put together, I, I, I'm trying to look at it from all angles, um, but, but I feel like really conflicted with the NWSL and the narrow-mindedness um, of the NWSL in, in the scheduling and how it's really going to get complicated years. Rachel, I want to maybe spin that into an international point of view too, in terms of like how you feel, do you feel like as, you know, there is a pretty sizable contingent of international players in this league. Do you feel like your needs as international players are even being considered in any fashion? No, and I also think it's hard because for the US players, obviously not part of the PA and things like that, like you just don't really get a say. So you're kind of already separating yourselves into two, you know, the US PA and the NWSL PA. And it's like, why could we not be as one? And like I said before, it's like, why can't we have a voice? Like, why is this, who dictates the schedule? You know, like, why do we not get a voice and a say in what's right for the players? And I think you come up with this model of this, schedule because that's how it's been for years and that's how it's always been so let's just keep doing what we've always done but all the other leagues and all the other 
you know, teams in the world are, are growing and moving. And, you know, I think the NWSL does take good steps in the right direction sometimes. But, you know, at some point, like Alex said, it's going to happen eventually. So why are we not taking steps now? And it doesn't have to be necessarily drastic, like, right, we're going to a winter league, everyone's back in in December. But it's like, how can we ease our way into that? And how can we benefit the players by, for example, putting the Challenge Cup in the summer? Um, because I just think it's just, you know, it's their way or the highway. But again, like I said, I don't think the, the needs of the players are really being met. And as a, as a player from overseas, it is hard. And like I said, it's it takes a toll in terms of travelling and, and having zero time off, except all just thrown at you at the end of the year. And here you go, here's three months off. You know, and that's not what players need either you know, national team or non-national team players, it's, you know, it's, you don't actually get time off because you have to keep going. Otherwise, if you want to be the best, you've got to keep going. You can't just stop and take all this three months off. Um, but, you know, th- there are ways, like Alex said, maybe it is you, you sort of move it towards having a little bit less time off in, in winter and a little bit more time off in the summer. And, you know, I just think like getting a voice, getting your voice across rather than just being, you're told that like, we said like two weeks before, this is what you've got to do for the rest of the year. And then don't factor in anything to do with the national team players. And then you wonder why it's difficult for us to come back into it and be fully engaged in the fact that we've had to watch our team play six, eight, 10 games without us. Yeah. Lynn, I want to, I want to wrap up with you just in terms of not asking for you to, to pull back the curtain on CBA negotiation, but just, you know, this is kind of the one mechanism, right? Where players can maybe, poke and start saying like, hey, actually, we have real opinions about this that that actually affect our career. Are you finding that maybe there is some room here for trying to to push both the the league, but also U.S. soccer, right, which does have a role in this into being more proactive about having this conversation? Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, with everything that's happened in this league right now, um, as terrible it is, as it is, it has come to a point where real change has to be made. And I think we have the ear of the league and of U.S. soccer. Um, and I think it's now that we need to, to push and say, like Rachel said, why aren't we asking for player input? If, if the league is better for us, we are going to want to stay here. Um, you know, organizations like management and players, we want the same thing. We want to have a full like prosperous league that people want to come and play in and um, having player input instead of just two weeks, here you go. um, I think is a great way to start. You know, we are the ones living it, doing it every single day. I think that, you know, it would be for lack of better words, dumb to continue on this way and not ask our, ask ourselves, why aren't, don't we have more internationals? Why did all the Australians leave? Why, like, why, why, why? There is a reason why these things are happening. Um, and if we continue on this pattern, I foresee more internationals leaving because it's just hard on the FIFA windows. Like Rach said, people aren't getting any younger. Your body cannot do this year in, year, year, year without taking breaks here and there and not cramming everything together and then going away and trying to figure out what you're going to do for three months. Um, I just don't think that's sustainable. And I think that because of all the stuff that that's happened this past year in the league, it's, it's time to push for what we need and what we want. All right. Well, I think that's a great, great place to end it. If anyone has any closing comments, I will obviously uh, open the floor, but I definitely appreciate it. I mean, I feel like I, 
I learned a lot in terms of kind of thinking through some of the stuff that we just kind of take for granted. Like that, that tends to be kind of the theme, right? Like we've always done it this way. So I guess we're just going to keep doing it this way. And I think that we've seen that international, you know, it's really hard for internationals to come to the NWSL. And so moral of the story is that Rach just loves America so much (laughs) that she's willing to sacrifice that. Still here six years later. (laughs) All right. It takes me to leave. Who knows? We welcome you open arms and any of your teammates (laughs) that want to join. (laughs) I'm trying to convince them. All right. Well, thank you again to the three of you. I definitely appreciate it. And uh, yeah, well, and Lynn, best of luck this weekend. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we squeaked right in there. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, Yeah, thanks. Sorry. (laughs) We were really close to squeaking in, but, um, but, you know, no, congrats, Lynn. It's been a year. We are, we're doing great. It's been a weird year. (laughs) We're doing great. We just need to keep telling ourselves that, you know? (laughs) <laughs> manifest it into existence just like the schedule meg where's the schedule all right thank you for tuning into this week's full time now hopefully the nuance here in terms of how all of these overlapping interests work will balance out the jokes but i think it is incredibly complicated and hard and logistical details that are not the most interesting to think about but they have such huge impacts on the game and to actually drill down into one singular issue here with three different viewpoints from three players who have experienced it from multiple different ways is such a new and interesting way to approach having this discussion. So again, thank you to Alex, Lynn, and Rachel for their time today. They did not need to do this, and I I very much appreciate it. Okay, I also do just want to promise right now that the survey results are coming. All of the math is done. I I, I just need some time, but hopefully this week, I hope I'm going to do my best. All right, one more thing. Some former U.S. women's national team players are running the New York City Marathon this weekend. And while I will unfortunately be in Chicago and missing out on watching this in person, especially I was really, I was going to come up with a nice throwback Boston Breakers theme sign for Leslie Osborne too. But Lauren Holiday is trying to raise $26,200 to meet her goal for Black-owned businesses and nonprofits. And you can donate $26.20 of your own, plus, you know, you know, a small fee to help process it. But there is a link in the show notes if you want to donate ahead of Sunday. I really hope that we can get her to that goal. For all things full-time, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all of the major podcast platforms in one spot, plus more information about the show. Again, subscribe to The Athletic and support all of our women's soccer coverage right now at theathletic.com slash fulltime. My name is Meg Linehan, and you have been listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at it's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. Full Time, of course, does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman, who is doing a quick turn on today's episode, and I appreciate him deeply for it. From The Athletic, I'm Meg, and thank you for listening. <laughs>